0: Today on the Anchor Northern Beaches podcast, we're going to talk about silence and solitude. We recently had our first ever soul retreat, which was pretty exciting down south. And it was a great time from all reports. And so we just wanted to do a bit of a deep dive into why silence and solitude is important. And just to go that extra bit further in how we could actually grow in our own silence and solitude. So welcome,
1: big James Dawson. How are you? Good to be here, Aaron. Always excited when we fire up the mics to do a podcast. And I think this topic fits exactly what the purpose of this podcast is, to have an extended conversation about some of the reflections and practical takeaways and convictions. Uh, I don't think I would be exaggerating when I say this weekend transformed me mm. like nothing. I've done a lot of ministry, you know, since 2008, when I became a Christian, been doing all kinds of different ministry in different forms, like beach missions and obviously Sunday events and prayer ministry and, um, worship and intercessory prayer and all different types of ways, one-to-one Bible reading, small group. And they're all kind of different ways of how do we make disciples? Mm. And I think why I want to do a podcast is I saw more fruit in this one weekend away than I'd seen in years, Mm. Um, especially in some of these men. And some of these men I've been discipling for many years, and it was actually this time away of silence and solitude that unlocked their discipleship. Some Some of these men had been following Jesus for 20 years and... So they've been in the church and constantly been hearing sermons and in prayer and in community on mission, and for the first time they heard their master's voice, mm. which is a remarkable thought in and of itself that we can go so long without having a friendship with Jesus. so yeah, I'm just keen to keen to have a conversation about it mm-hmm. yeah, very good,
0: very good. well, let's get started by thinking deeper about silence and solitude, this practice, why it's important. Mm. Because it sounds as though from what what I'm hearing you saying is that this weekend just highlighted to you how important it is, how we've kind of – we've assumed that it happens, Mm -hmm. but it actually doesn't always happen in our discipleship and we're actually missing something if we don't do it.
1: I think a part of this weekend was experimental for me. So obviously John Marcoma – has become a very dominant voice in Christian world and a big part of his ministry, which Anchor subscribes to, of practicing the way of Jesus, Mm. um, actually embodying, apprenticing to him. Like It's a way of life. It's not just um, a thought system. And and so I think when I hear John Mark in his books and in his sermons say that silence and solitude is the most important spiritual practice, Mm. it just feels... It's a massive hot take. And so when I hear that, I'm like, okay, okay, I need to Mm. heed this, take this seriously. Rewinding a bit. So April of 2023, this year, I preached a sermon on I am the vine. And I was just deeply convicted when Jesus says, I am the vine. This is John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so if what he's saying there, that our friendship with him, our abiding with him, us remaining in the vine, is where our power comes from. Mm-hmm. And if we're apart from him, if we're disconnected, we don't have friendship. Uh, other language that's quite familiar in you know, church history, communion with Jesus. We actually commune with him. There's intimacy. There's face-to-face. We can do nothing. And, and so I was really convicted when I did that sermon. If that is the case, then we need to take very seriously our friendship with Jesus, our communion with him. And I was personally really convicted, you know, maybe one of the top five kind of thickest Holy Spirit conviction moment of um, I cannot take people where I haven't been myself. Mm. Now, we even use this language in the anchor leadership of you cannot give what you do not possess, you cannot give what you do not possess. So if I am not leading out of a place of my own communion, my own friendship with Jesus, how can I expect other people to have that practice and cultivate that? So I remember getting up in April this year and saying, I am I need this. I'm convicted of this in, in Jesus' teaching and his way of life. I need to go and do this. Mm-hmm. And so just practically that weekend, we, we went to Kangaroo Valley and... The house was made for a retreat, so picture a house with you know nothing else on it there was there's grass and a, a beautiful view of um cliff face mm-hmm. around it and you know you couldn't one car went past every hour so very quiet there was you know kangaroos and and sheep around so went to that space and The Friday night we arrived, we didn't do much, but the Saturday morning we had breakfast and then I gathered everyone together. I did a bit of a teaching out of uh, primarily Mark 6. And so I think answering your question of why it's important, we actually, this isn't about following trends of, you know, there's a big thing now of like doing like yoga retreats or like, you know, enlightenment retreats, or even there's a lot of CEOs now being encouraged to go away for a weekend and just spend a day in the woods dreaming about the business and this isn't following trends that are in modern society this is actually going back to an ancient practice mm. that Jesus did himself mm. and Jesus did with his disciples so when you see in mark 6 reading verse 31 here so context here is that the disciples have had you know a monster day they've just they would have just heard about John the Baptist beheading as well so there's a lot of grief and then So Mark 6, verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. So they're busy. The apostles are very busy here. They're reporting to him, look what we've done, look what we've taught, look at the fruit we've seen. And then verse 31 in Mark 6, then because so many people were coming and going, it's a constant activity, they did not even have a chance to eat. So you you picture days when you're so busy you don't even eat. And you've got to look at Jesus' response to this. He doesn't say, Go spend the night on the couch watching Netflix. <laughs> Go come come have a beer with me and forget your your busyness. He says, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And this that word particularly quiet place, it's it's translated the the Eremos. Hmm. And in other parts of scripture you might see it as the wilderness. So when John, when Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, he's actually he's going to the Eremos. And so we just see over and over again, you, 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 you move further in Mark 6, the narrative, verse 46. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to the Eremos to pray. Um, and I don't have time in this podcast, but you can go through Luke. I think Luke has one of the best uh, patterns of, you know, there's this pattern of every time he does a miracle or he sees fruit from his teaching, he immediately goes to a solitary place to the Eremos to be alone with the Father. And it's actually a place of power and of resetting, of recharging, communing with the Father. So anyway, to answer Mm -hmm. your question, I think it's very important for us to say that we need to see this in the life of Jesus first. Mm. Um, There are, of course, cultural reasons why this is important. And I actually think we've thought about this a lot of how do we disciple people that are living in a city Mm. in an urban context versus a non-urban context? And I think there is something about Christians on the Northern beaches that uh, our lifestyle is very busy. Uh, We have to work very hard to, you know, afford to live here. So people have a lot of time in their their work, a lot of, a big sense of vocational calling. Our weekends are very busy and full. And so we, I actually think a big part of discipleship is less about doing and more about being Mm. less about activation and more about rhythms of silence and solitude and and sabbath and rest Mm. and so it was really beautiful to go away and to to be like okay we've i've heard other christian leaders say this is important i see it in the life of jesus is important let's see how it goes Mm. and it was really i think initially was really hard and so we went out kind of two hours at a time, that first block, did a two-hour block, two-and-a-half-hour block. And even for me personally, but testimonially for the rest of the men, I think that first hour felt like a detox, <laughs> like to just be silent mm. with your thoughts. And even for a lot of people, like, what do I, what do, I do in this time? You know, I'm, what do, I don't have I – I can't feel it with noise. Like I can't put a headphones in. I can't just scroll on my phone. You know, when we got there, we put our phones in a bowl, which was a big part of it, actually detoxing from our phones. Mm. We are just sitting there, we just had a Bible and a journal and a pen and and Jesus.
0: Mm. What I hear you saying is that with the Mark passage that silence and solitude was really key to Jesus' life and Jesus' discipleship. Mm. And so it's not as though going into the woods is just this kind of secular practice, but it actually goes back to the ancient way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You've written here, silence and solitude is the most important practice.
1: Tell me more. I think when I hear someone say that, and I think I'm exploring that, I think what it's saying is that silence and solitude is the most important practice for a Christian that lives in a city. hmm so I think just knowing how to disciple our people, disciple myself, how do we follow Jesus? Um, the reality is that we're all being discipled, right? It's just that we're all being apprenticed to a way of life, to, mm-hmm. to the vision of a good life. They are There are people who are way too smart, who have so much money shaping our values and our norms about what is the good life. And so I think there is something about silence and solitude that we actually need to deform ourselves we need to actually reset almost fast from the noise and you think of how much activity we have even when we look at our phones or you know the, the all the content that we consume about what is the good life what the vision is for the good life there is something about silence and solitude of turning off all the noise there's so much noise pollution mm and to actually hear Jesus' voice. Mm. And so I think think what I I have experienced and what I'm saying here is that for our cultural moment, Mm. for Christians who live in an urban context, silence and solitude is a very important practice and maybe the most important practice. (laughs) I remember
0: you talking a, a bit about this kind of hustle and bustle, busyness in your John 15, I'm the Vine sermon, and in the moment, it just really clicked with me and just was like on the money that cultural living in is so fast paced, so busy. And so, what I hear you're saying is we need to cut against that grain by slowing down mm-hmm. and by detaching. And would you say that's another part of, of science and solitude? It's actually detachment mm-hmm. from, from everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And we're just, our phones make us so connected to the world. Mm-hmm. And so, when we go and just be with God, we're fully withdrawing, mm. and we're getting away just to listen to what God mm. is saying to us. Um, and in a world of just con- constant noise and stimulation, that's quite mm. countercultural.
1: I like the image of when I go into silence and solitude, just a time of friendship with Jesus, communion with mm. Jesus. Mm. I'm, I'm leaving a room. I go out of a door. And so I'm removing myself from the noise, from the hustle and bustle. And in that separate space with Jesus, I'm actually transformed. There's actually something in me. There's revelation. There's encounter. There's this rest. (laughs) And then I actually come back in through a separate door. I'm actually transformed. I'm actually different Hmm. when I come back and I'm able to face the things of this world and the the burdens that I'm carrying with a fresh perspective. And because I think it's actually very important to say here is silence and solitude and a big critique of kind of the monastic rhythms has been, oh, well then why don't we just fully detach and we can, we just move and live on a, it's a van life. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate experience. Let's take away all responsibilities and all stresses and I'm just going to go live you know, by a quiet beach and live in my van. And and I think it's very important here to say is that following Jesus isn't a stress-free life. Mm. That's not his call on us, to have a stress-free life, to have an easy life. But I think when he says the, the easy yoke, like to take on my yoke, my yoke is easy. A yoke is, is equipment. Like it, it's something that we're meant to do with Jesus. And Jesus is saying the more you're with me, the more communion you have, the better able you will be to face and navigate the burdens of this life. And so, this. and I think you see that pattern in John 15, the whole point of him saying, stay connected to me, stay mm-hmm. connected to the vine, is so that you can be a person of love. And he ends by commanding them. So my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay lay down one's life for one's friends. And so I actually challenged all the men at the end of the retreat was to say, you might've had a great and beautiful time here, transformative, but it actually means nothing if you can't go Mm. home and love your wives Mm. and love the people around you better. You're actually, you're transformed. You're different because it's, we can easily see silence and solitude as I'm escaping, I'm running. Mm. And the detachment is, we are meant to detach and step away, but to wrestle, be transformed, communion, hear God's voice, and to re-enter, equipped. And that's just the life of Jesus. He he, do, he does ministry, he heals and he teaches, and then he goes to be with the Father and he resets. That's actually where, he, it's actually not a place of weakness, it's a place of power, the Eremos, silence and solitude. It's not a fragile, weak place, it's actually a place of recharging mm. to enter back in. Mm.
0: I want to dive deeper into what is unique to our context and why is it so difficult to do this in our context? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned busyness, you mentioned distraction. Why is it so hard in Northern Beaches, in Australia, to do this silence and solitude? What are
1: some kind of cultural things that are pushing us in another direction? Well, I think 2007, the invention of the smartphone is a big turning point just to our attention span What did I I read that it's gone from twelve seconds to eight seconds, Mm. which is I didn't know that twelve seconds was the the high watermark (laughs) of the last ten years. So that's every that's saying every eight seconds we've just got something competing for our attention. A notification will go off, and you you know I I mute a lot of my notifications, but then you know my Uber Eats app (laughs) notifies me. It's so smart. It's lunchtime. It notifies me. (laughs) So there's just the noise pollution Mm. that makes it hard. And, and I think, I think another cultural thing, even for the Northern beaches and just living in a city like Sydney is how much we have to work. Mm. So the vocational burden of having to afford here. So there's naturally just, Mm. well, what isn't, if I do silence and solitude, if I spend an hour with Jesus or if I go away for this weekend, that's, that's wasted time. Right. I can be using that time to, to, to earn some, earn some of that bread, you know, get, get that paper. And so I think those things, the noise, pollution, distraction, you know, the burden of, of work and the demands. I think in the Northern beaches, there's a soft cultural value of, of busyness means respect. Uh, let me put it another way. I think when I see someone on a Sunday morning, you know, what did you do Saturday? It's, it's, it's frowned upon. It's not cool for someone to say, yeah, I just spent the day doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, you know, I just, I just had a slow day, and, you know, what we prefer is like, yeah, man. Then, you know, I did, I did brunch, and then, you know, I went, I went to the cafe again, <laughs> second brunch, and caught up with some friends, and then, you know, went to this new cool bar-, bar and had some food. Like, there's, there's a, there's a value that we put on activity and, and ticking boxes, and, Absolutely. and again, like it's. I don't want to over function. of course. There's a beauty of enjoying the good things that God gives us, but I think those are some cultural things that make silence and solitude very much countercultural. of I'm not doing, I'm not progressing, I'm not going, it's that kind of up and to the right. Mm-hmm. I'm not moving forward my life by yes. doing this. It feels like I'm sitting, and if there's a false understanding, if life is a travelator, it's moving in one direction. If I just sit and stay still, I'm going backwards because everyone else is, 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 is driving forward. That's really helpful.
0: Mark says, has got a podcast called Rebuilders. So if you guys are interested in thinking about culture, would 100% recommend his podcast in, in going even deeper on this. But this this just reminds me of stuff he's been talking about recently, this idea that we live in the society that is built around a market society. So we want to demand and need. And so we're so much on this rat race of of accomplishing and efficiency and production and consuming. And he makes his point recently that we're kind of all competitors in a way, like you're competing against me. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just that businesses are in this market system, but actually as individuals, we're in a market. And things like Instagram Mm -hmm. have made us these competitors. So I see on your feed that you're in Hawaii by a beach (laughs) and I'm like, my life sucks. And so we're constantly – Feeling this, this this stress or this stress or, or pressure of just what is what is so-and so doing? What am I doing? and I am I kind of maximizing my life? Yes. Am I competing in a way? Yeah. And I just find that so compelling. And this idea that we have to, Mark says is a term that we've, we've all become maximalists. Mm-hmm. We want to maximize our lives mm-hmm. and it means that we're very anxious about how we use our time. Mm-hmm. And as you say, some sitting by yourself with the Lord—it's sometimes it's, it can be appear to be not very productive. You're not really getting much done in the world's eyes, mm. and yet it's actually maybe
1: perhaps far more effective than anything other thing you could do. You're on the money there. Becoming a follower of Jesus is creating a new economy. Mm. Mm. I think that's we have—we actually need to have a different economy. And I think there's. Christians, we, we we subsume the economy of the world and we think this is what means we are having a good life, the vision of the good life. And we need a different economy. Jesus gives us a different economy mm. of what where we get our value and worth.
0: Yes. And it is hard in the Northern Beaches where life is so good here and we, we really do want to make the most of it. That's a key narrative mm-hmm. that we have here. Mm-hmm. Like if, we, if we're not at the beach or if we're not having good holidays or if we're not then why are we working so hard during totally. the week? So I think there is a pressure that people feel about their weekends totally. to make the most of it yep. because we, we work to live in a way. Mm-hmm. And so we have a stress of, oh, my gosh, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Mm. Um, so th- those are some factors I think yeah, that, I are, agree. That, are, that are hindering our our silence and solitude. Anything else you want to say about that in terms of what's hindering us?
1: No, I think it is, <clears> it's always a heart issue. It's it is winning the imagination of our heart that Jesus's vision for humanity to be fully human is better, mm. and I think that's I think that's what's really exciting. That I think of these these thirteen men that were away, I think they would have been very sceptic, and there was a lot of trepidation. And the only way to know if this is fruitful is to experiencing like like they t- they tasted something, and they am like, "Oh, I'm actually, I'm just a better human, and I can." I'm actually better at my work and I can love my wife and my kids and I'm present to the Holy spirit and I'm present to others. I'm not distracted when I have time to silence and solitude. Mm. And so I think that's been helpful. Just the muscle has been activated. I think the biggest challenge and where I want to land is Mm. everyone's been asking me, like, how do we do this in real life? Does it have to be a, we go to kangaroo Valley Mm. once a year. And there is something about the deep clean once a year, but I think how do we have rhythms of silence and solitude, of friendship with Jesus, of mm. communion of, in communion with Jesus?
0: Yeah, to get a, help us get there in terms of practically what we should do, can you give us more detail as to what you did on that
1: weekend, some of those specific mm. rules mm-hmm. and rhythms? So the protocols I gave for that time was no phone. We actually didn't speak as well. So there's that a podcast. One thing I really enforced and wanted to communicate is this is training, not trying. Mm. Trying evokes, um, I'm either good at this and I succeed or I fail. And I'm like, no, this is training to becoming more like Jesus. So I think I wanted one of these men. And the women are going away in October. I'm so curious to see how they experience Mm. this. But the, so this is training. This is, even if you find it hard, that's okay to actually sit in it and not run away from it. Because as we have the outer silence, so stimuli is decreased, mm. um, no phone. Um, there is another protocol. There is something about being in nature. There is actually something about environment. Yes. And I think we Christians on Northern Beaches can do that. There are beautiful spots in Absolutely. this area where there, there is quiet and nature. And so stepping away, different environment, phones off, and actually mm. sitting still, I remember one of the things another protocol I gave some of the guys was, this isn't about striving and discovering something. God's already present. He's already there, he's already at work. It's actually becoming attuned to him, to God's voice, to, to, to the Holy Spirit in you. Mm. And so that, that were just some practical things. No phone creation nature in a, in, a, in a quieter spot and then I actually I, I, I did make a booklet and this is this is ancient practice we're not making anchors not making this up I'm not making any of this up there's beautiful men and women um, especially in the monastic strain of Christianity that have thought deeply about this so there's still, still some questions And to actually before thinking about, oh, I'm doing something here, like doing comprehension or I'm doing a study or a booklet or getting answers, actually sitting with your emotion. You're Mm -hmm. actually sitting with yourself. And in the silence and solitude, there's actually a space for things to come up that you've been suppressing. Mm -hmm. And you actually need to let that come up. And that's really uncomfortable. So to let that arise. But I I remember having heard that our body – is a major prophet, not a minor prophet. We've spoken mm-hmm. about this. they actually letting our body, is so smart, they're letting our body tell us, oh, we're actually really angry. Mm. Oh, we're really anxious. We're really depleted. And what was really beautiful about some of them is I, they, they actually fell into like a nap mm. for five, 10 minutes, including myself at some point. And they were like, oh, I felt bad with my sinning. If in that point when I nap, is God displeased? But I actually think God is, he's just pleased because we're relaxed in his presence. And, mm. What that's showing me is that you're just really tired, <laughs> and it's actually okay to nap. And a lot of the men found that as soon as they woke up from the nap, that was when they started were able to be in the word and pray. Um, and so there. Anyway, I think what I'm saying is there was a flow of those like two hour blocks that we had, where the initial hurdle is hard of letting. The, it's almost a detox feeling, letting emotions come up, but as they come up, actually not suppressing, letting them come up, and then inviting. God's voice mm. and actually being attuned to this already conversation happening. So Romans eight says that our spirit is already testifying with our spirit. So there's actually becoming more attuned to the Holy spirit's voice mm. and becoming familiar with that. Um, but yeah, in terms of answering to your answer, like protocols, like I think having, I think ideally you journaling is really helpful in that space. And it's journaling is really helpful because you can go back and even reference having your Bible, obviously, and when you're in a point of silence and solitude you actually aren't alone you actually have the person of the holy spirit mm-hmm. you know Jesus and the holy spirit there with you and ministering to you being the counselor you know being the paraclete the counselor and being able to give us clarity and wisdom and and comfort to the things that we're feeling
0: on the point of location i think it's so true that in this area we're so blessed to have <laughs> such amazing spaces to be able to sit in god's creation so we kind of have no excuses and it's interesting, this guy, the Christian leadership expert, I guess you could call him, Tim Dyer, and he speaks about how we have physical stress according to our physical location. Mm. So we actually need to remove ourselves from our home or from our workplace, mm-hmm. which naturally will bring stress into the body. Um, that detachment will help us to, to calm down. And he also speaks about UPs, he calls them, things that want to come up. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called it ups, And these are things that we, as you say, have they're, they're kind of in the subconscious, but we haven't mm-hmm. processed. Mm-hmm. So they can be unfinished projects, they can be mm-hmm. conflict with someone else. Mm-hmm. It can be worries and concerns. It can be there's a whole list of these these things that can come up. Mm. And the, th- the thing you mentioned was that they, they they come up only when we have a space where our mind is relaxed and we feel calm and our environment is chill. So he gave the example of one time he was by the campfire on a holiday and he realized, oh, yeah, I promised to so-and-so to send them an an email with the PowerPoint slides of this lecture, but it only came up once he was in that environment. So he was just mentioning that to say that we need to cover these spaces so that things we need to process with Mm -hmm. God can come up and and be surfaced Mm -hmm. because he mentioned that, It's really quite interesting that when stuff is shoved down this, I guess, subconscious, it actually drains you Mm. and actually um, requires a lot of mental energy to have it forced down there. So it's good to let it come up and and process it with God.
1: Uh, I think, yeah, yes and amen. I think there was something about community that actually really helped, Mm. I think, that time away of things did come up that were really heavy, Mm. And I think that's, even in Mark 6, Jesus actually says to the disciples, let us go away together. So I think that's something I I didn't Mm. notice when I first read He actually takes them all away Mm. together. So even though they're in silence, praying mountainside, Mm. do you picture that environment? (laughs) Maybe even when you go camping, you're quiet, but you're actually together. So there was actually a safety there. So Mm. I think just in terms of next steps, Two things I'd really emphasize. One thing is just start where you are. Mm. If you do 10 minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes of just no phone, quiet, you know, go sit in a nature spot, just let yourself decompress, enjoy the presence of, of God, pray, just be with him. That would be beautiful. And I think what, what you'll find is once there's a tipping point, once you experience something, you start to enjoy it, you start to crave it more. And then, so as I've come back from this weekend, I've just I've been craving that more, and I find you know doing thirty minutes just really beautiful, easy. Like being, I'm familiar with Jesus in the the silence, one to one moments more and more. Mm. So I just yeah, I'm comfortable with that. So start where you are, consistent with your personality and your season of life. And I think secondly, the biggest hurdle that I've heard from people in engaging with silence and solitude is there's actually a lot of fear in being with Jesus mm-hmm. one-to-one, mm-hmm. which is be- really revealing to me as their pastor. And I think what it shows is that they have an image of Jesus as a principal, a judge. Mm-hmm. You've been called into the office. And so when you get one-to-one, Jesus... I'm afraid because he's just gonna he's gonna shame me. He's gonna tell me mm. everything that I've done wrong in that week. And of course, you know, one of the many roles of the Holy Spirit is conviction of sin. But I think first and foremost, when we get into that space, there's just relationship and rest. And if you picture the person in your life, whoever that is, might be a friend, it might be a parent, it might be a spouse that you're most comfortable with, the person you're most comfortable with to sit with and to rest with, and you can fully be yourself. That is what Jesus's heart is to be for all of us. Mm. He actually wants that. And he is that. He, he is that. He, the the unfailing friend. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage that. It's actually reimagining who Jesus is. It's like something has, you know, gone into our subconscious about, oh man, I just want to be, I don't want to be one to with Jesus. I feel like I'll be with, it's like being with my, psychologist or life coach or whatever and it's actually we've lost the place of rest and and friendship with him Mm. richard foster has this quote that the people that know god well the mystics the prayerful people those who risk everything to find god always meet a lover and not a dictator Mm. i think it's really profound that we the ones that are the the hermit's the ones that love silence and solitude, that pray, they actually know Jesus' voice, they know his face, they know his gaze. Mm. We never meet a dictator in that space. And we meet, we meet someone tender. Mm. And, and of course, Jesus is powerful, um, but he is. He's tender, and we, we see that in his inter- interactions with people in the gospel. So, mm. You won't hit this won't be the last of this anchor beaches. um, I think I'm this is that weekend was actually the beginning of a journey Mm. for me and I think for the future of our church as well. And that communion and friendship with Jesus in silence and solitude, I actually think will unlock our discipleship and actually moving the dial for us as a church. Mm.
0: I wasn't planning on on sharing this, but I do feel that it's helpful. One of the most important rhythms that I feel has gotten me through the last year and a half of planting and early marriage and college has been every Saturday or thereabouts just going into Manly Lagoon or North Head and I've just realized, wow, we've got these amazing places. And as, as we've spoken about, there's just something about just immersing mm-hmm. ourselves in nature, having a journal, having a Bible, just having un, uncarved out time that's just been such a gift to me and I'm not sure how I would have gotten through the last year and a half without that space. Um, just the ability to slow down in God's presence and as you say, you just as you've written down here, just wasting time almost mm. with God and being able to just be unproductive and just sit with Him and your thoughts and um, pray and... I felt a centering in my soul mm-hmm. through that mm-hmm. that has just anchored me in the in the week to come in a way that I haven't ever really experienced. Um, and now I think you mentioned there's like the, now the more I do it, the longer I want <laughs> to stay in the forest, stay out there. Um, obviously we can't stay out there forever. Um, wow. Can I ask how, th- how this works? Like F- Lara and I we're, were a married couple we don't have kids. Can I ask, how does it work with, when you've got kids? I'm hearing objections of, well, who, how does this work? Because you can't, come on, Aaron, like that's good for you, mate, but you don't have, you don't have little ones you've got to take care of. Yeah, having, <laughs> having young
1: kids is, is the opposite of silence and solitude. I think, <clears throat> oh, look, the only way it works for Callum and I, and I know other couples in the church are doing this, is actually serving each other. And it might not be weekly, but at least say once a month. So you just Saturday morning, two hours, off you go. I'll be fine, and then alternating. So you actually need to serve one another, and I think particularly this is this is a thing when we become more busy. Whether that's we we get a new job or a new season of study and work, or we become parents of one, two, three children. This is one of the things that fall off first, mm. and it's actually we need to go the other way. We actually need more one-to-one time with Jesus to refresh us so
0: and it's interesting just on that we say that in Jesus as well yep the the bigger decisions he has to make in terms of choosing the 12 in terms of yep. going Maybe to the cross yep. those are the moments when he actually has more silence and solitude
1: yeah uh, one of the best rhythms you do is go through luke and just highlight where you say where you see he went into the wilderness he went to the, withdrew to a lonely place jesus went out to a solitary place and it's all the same word a and it be, as Luke he becomes more and more busy, it becomes more and more frequent. Mm. And so I think just practically for you know the busy busy parents of anka who are time poor, I think you just make time for whatever you value. You know, people if you value exercise, you, you make time for it. Even when you're a young mm-hmm. parent, it's actually us thinking: Do we value this enough? And again, it goes back to that idea of everything's transactional. and like, is this sounds like on paper this isn't going to benefit me? But once you taste it, it actually does make us more like Jesus and more fully human. That's what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to capture our imagination Mm -hmm. to make us fully human, how we're we're designed to be. So I just encourage you just to try it. And I'd love to chat with you and uh, created this booklet. And it actually, I'm surprised by how many of us who have been in church for many years haven't been equipped to do this. Well, what is it about our discipleship? Rhythms and convictions that we maybe even encourage doing over our being, and we come into a church and immediately it's it's you know doing an activity and and then our central nervous system actually becomes familiar being like oh this is what a Christian is it's doing it's doing and it's hustle mm. and what does it look like to actually tell our remind our body to be become what it's meant to be and that actually being still and knowing that He is God is is first. And then our doing and our serving, which, of course, is important, flows out of that. Amen.
0: How about we end with actually carving out some time for silence? Mm, mm. Obviously, we're in each other's presence. so It's not quite silence and solitude, but still just to practice having a space of silence and mm. a, space, a mm. space just to center ourselves on God, even right now. am not sure what you're doing. You might be mowing the lawn or driving the car, but <laughs> how about you join us as James and I just... Send ourselves in God and be silent before him and then do you want to pray and we'll we'll finish.
1: Jesus, you are closer to us than we are to ourselves. The things that we're conscious of and unconscious of, uh, Jesus, you are aware of them. And so help us. Just help us, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give everyone listening a fresh vision, inspiration of their friendship with you. I pray a fresh vision of your gaze uh, what your what your eyes and your yeah, your your face your posture towards us is when we enter into communion that we don't need to search and ascend and look for you holy spirit that you are in us and so help us just to be more and more even right now aware of your presence aware of your holy spirit with us counseling guiding comforting be with us in jesus name amen